Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Father, we worship you. We exalt you tonight. We, we love you. We thank you because you loved us, Father. You are king and there's none like you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we worship. Lord, we ask that you breathe upon your word tonight. Let it come alive in our hearts. Let it multiply in our hearts. Let it bring forth fruits. In the name of Jesus, let everyone go back home touched, changed, transformed. Let no one go back home the same way they came. In Jesus' precious name, God's said a big amen. Now would you jam those hands together for Jesus and please have your seats tonight. It's so wonderful to be seeing you again this wonderful evening. Amen, 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 amen. Wow. Uncle Joe, I don't know what we can do with the sound. Is there something wrong? Praise the Lord. I need to put it almost in my mouth before I can hear it. First John chapter 4 verse 9. Today we'll be starting a new series and I want your hearts to be opened so that we can go through the scriptures together. Uh, I want you to bring out your notes and your note-taking materials so that you can take notes tonight. Let it be a culture to take notes during service. Because beyond what I'm saying, God would speak to you. And when God speaks to you and you don't have something to write it on, you are going to miss it. No matter how photographic, bring it down a bit, David. No matter how photographic you think your brain is, you're going to miss it. Abacook says, Stand upon your word, I will, that I may hear him that speaks to me. He says, write down the vision. Write down the vision. Grace, it's good to see you. Good evening. 
So today we'll be starting on a series for this month, which is Walking in Love. And I'll be talking about a lot of things concerning love. And trust me, it has nothing to do with Valentine. Absolutely nothing. I think the word love has been abused so much that it has lost the essence and the strength of its core. The Bible says that God is love. But we have used that word so casually that when somebody says love, what comes to your mind first is not God. So we use it so casually. We use it for burger. I love burger. I love the BMW. I love Benz. I love um, Zara this. I love, you know. So we use it for so many things that it has lost the essence itself that it carries. It should be so strong in your heart that when you hear the word love, what comes to your mind first is God. Not sex. Not infatuation. Not lust. But God. God. So today, this month, we'll be going through that whole walking in love. I'm going to start with today's foundation. You know, it's just going to be an introductory. And I, want you to, I don't want you to miss out on Sunday because on Sunday we're going to continue. But I'm going to talk on a lot on forgiveness, on walking in love, on the extent and the scope of love. Because love does not set free. It is the truth that sets free. And what boundaries do you have in love? What, how far is too far? What should you accept? What should you condone? All those kind of things, I'm going to talk about it in love. Because love itself is not senseless. Love itself is not, is not daft. Are you following me? So I, I don't want you to miss out when I say love. I don't mean that, it doesn't mean that you, you, lose, you totally lose every sense of reasoning because you have to love. So I'm going to be going through all that this month so you don't want to miss out on any, any, any of this. Is, are this is working. Hello? It's working. Maybe we should turn it this way. So, so if it doesn't, it, will it feedback? If it's going to feedback. Okay. Thank you. Ah, that's very smart. I'm telling you. Just turn it like that. I was thinking you turn it like that. See me now. Thank you. Let's celebrate this. That was very smart. All right, so I can hear myself better. Thank you. Let's celebrate the sound. All right, so like I said, I'm going through that this month on the essence of love. But today I want to start with understanding the love of God because you cannot give what you don't have. If you don't have it, you can give it. The only reason why you're able to give it is because you have it. So if you don't have a firm understanding of what the love of God is, it will be impossible for you to give it out to someone else. Love, as it sounds, may look as if everyone already knows it. If I start a scripture, if I say I want to, take, I want to teach on seven things about healing or ten things about good health, everybody's ears will open, pim, 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 because you want to hear something about healing, because you know that, is that you are sick, or you have someone that is sick, or you know you're going to get sick. So, but when I say I want to talk about love, you're like, oh, what's, what's there to talk about love? But I shock you that there's a lot about God's love that you may not understand or you may not know yet. So I want your hearts to be open. As commonly assumed as it is to be already, you know, to be understood all over the whole world, the love of God is still a title that needs thorough teaching. Look at First John chapter 4. We're in First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 verse 9. The Bible says, First John chapter 4 verse 9, In this is the love of God manifested towards us. What translation is this? Okay, fantastic. That's fantastic. Thank you. God showed how much. Go back to New Living. So now, you know, you, do you know the translation you're going to get for me? Now that we have other translations, get NLT, Amplified, Classic Edition. 
and then you get message, and then you get this King James. God showed how much he loved us by sending his son, only son, into the world that he might, we might have eternal life through him. Next verse. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins away. So it is not that we loved God. The emphasis is not on how much we love God, but on the fact that God loved us. He loved us so much, he gave his son for us. He gave his son to die on the cross for us. None of us could have loved God enough. None of us could have paid enough price. None of us could have done anything at all. But Christ loved us eternally. He loved us unconditionally. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, quickly. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. That's one of my most favorite scriptures. I must have quoted it about a thousand times. Romans 5, I write 5, 7, 8, 9. I quote them almost verbatim because I know them, I've studied them. You know, it, it speaks clearly about the love of God. Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're yet sinners. Give me the next verse. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, it will certainly save us from God's judgment. Go to the next verse. Is this Romans, Romans chapter 5 as what? What you read was 8. Earlier, go to 7. That means it was 7, not 9. 7. Now, no one is likely to die for a good person. I mean, if you agree with me, that it's possible you don't die for a good person. I mean, if you are going to die for anybody. You can... I catch a grenade for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> How many of you are going to catch a grenade for someone? No, if I made it, see, only Mr. Bajay will catch a grenade for is it for doing Abby? Yeah, yes, for doing he catch a grenade for celebrate Mr. Bajay now. Yeah, so the Bible says, No one is likely, it's not, this is absolutely impossible because we have seen Mr. Bajay now. He said, But it's not likely that everyone's going to do that. Die for a good person. Though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good, like Mr. Banji. You know. But the Bible conscious says, but Christ died for us while we're bad. While we're bad, bad people. We were smokers, drug addicts, we were terrible people. That was when Christ died for us. Christ did not wait for our lives to be better before he died for us. He did not wait for us to have good behavior, good attitude. He didn't wait for us to clean up before he died for us. He died for us the way we were. He died for us without even we promising him to live our lives for him. He had died for us with no strings attached. That's love in its purest form. He did not wait for you to behave. He did not wait for you to get better when he died for you. Christ died for me as a sinner. There is absolutely nothing I did to deserve his love. And there is absolutely nothing I can do to disqualify myself from his love. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing. No matter how terrible you live your life, you cannot disqualify yourself from the love of God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, not the church. The world in its most wicked form. He loved it. He gave his son to die. 
The very people that killed him were the ones he was dying for. That's love. He had all the power. He could have refrained himself from dying, but he died. I would say this is how love is known. First John chapter 4 verse 9. That it is not we that loved God, but God that loved us. God loved us. The love of God, when you understand it, it will change your life totally. That's what we're saying all the rest of this month. Because next month we're talking about growing up spiritually. But you have to understand that when I say growing up spiritually, I'm starting first from the fundamentals and the foundation of love. That's the root. He loved us crazily. He loves us unimaginably. He loves us. You see, you cannot understand how much the love of God is until you see how he loves your haters. He loves your haters. That's, that's, not, that's not sounding nice. <laughs> but that's the truth. Because you were once his hater. All of us were enemies. If you look at, if you look at, if you look at, is it NLT we read? If you look at Amplified or other verses, it says we're enemies of God when he died for us. We're enemies. He loved us. He loved us. There's nothing you can do to disqualify yourself I don't care how far you go, how deep you fall. I don't care how, how wild you become. There's absolutely nothing you can do to disqualify yourself from the love of God. You can do nothing about it. When I started teaching on love was when it revolutionized my life. I, I used to be a, I'm still a fiery preacher. But I focused a lot, so much on my Righteousness. Um, I don't, let me explain it very well. When I gave my life to Christ, I gave my life to Christ not in a, it's not too conservative, but a conservative church. Most churches in the past were almost conservative. So I gave my life to Christ, so we, there was a lot of emphasis on the works, on your own works, your works. You know, it says, work out yourself, work out your own salvation. You know, we have those very powerful scriptures. So our emphasis was what, what we do right, what we do right. That if you don't do it right, God, God does not treat you the way you treat him. It's a lie. That God will treat you the way you treat him. It's a lie. I treated God very wickedly. He didn't treat me like that. He loved me in spite of my wickedness. So that God will treat you the way, the way you treat God is where you treat you. Where you put God is where you put you. All those things, they are, they are just sweet rhymes. It's absolutely untrue. If God treated us the way we treated him, he would not have died for us in the first place. He treated us better than we treated him. Are you following me? So our emphasis was on our righteousness. That's what happened to Peter. When he proclaimed, Jesus says, you are going to deny me. He said, never. He said, even if all these ones deny you. He pointed them like this. Can you imagine? They are friends. So. But he was so confident in his righteousness. He said, even if all these ones deny you, I will never do that. That's self-righteousness. That was how my life was. I was so engrossed in what I did right. And it is true. I didn't mess up my life as a young child. I didn't, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I was almost... But the truth is that all I've sinned and fall short, no matter how pure you are, you are not pure enough. Because all our righteousness are like filthy rags. If somebody came into this room with a gun and said, anybody that cannot jump and their head will touch this roof, I'll shoot the person now. If he says that. If your head cannot touch that roof, you are gone. Now, no matter how all of us try in this place, our head cannot touch this roof. Now, it's possible that some people's head will be higher than some people's head. It will not say because your own head is higher. It will now spare you. The minimum standard is that your head touch that roof. And the truth is that even the best of us could not reach the minimum. 
standard for righteousness. The law condemned the best of us, but his grace saved the worst of us. So I was so engrossed in my own righteousness. I thought about it. You have to be on fire for God. And I thought about it. I emphasized on the fact that you need to live your life properly or else you are going to hell. Over and over and over and over. That was my teaching. And of course, it steered people up to God. But right around me were people who were going through stuff and they couldn't tell me. People were going through addictions, they couldn't tell me. People were going through terrible situations in their life, they couldn't tell me because they didn't believe that Pastor Philip would understand. If somebody is going through addiction to drug, for instance, or addiction to sex, for instance, he didn't think it's possible for me to understand. I've never tasted drug in my entire life. Absolutely my entire life, I've never tasted drug. I've never, been, I've never drank alcohol in my life. Do you see what I'm saying? I've never, I, I, alcoholism has never been, a, I've never been an issue to me in my entire life. I've never prayed about it. I've never been addicted to it. I've never been addicted to prostitution or prostitutes in my entire life. Are you following my point? So anybody who sees me from afar can say, even if I tell this guy this is what I'm going through, he can't understand because he doesn't know what it feels like to go through this. In fact, I was so crystal clear and clean that time. There was a particular time we were having a meeting somewhere around Wuse 2 here. And doing, we're, having, we're praying for a program. Doing came. We said, Pastor Philip, can you believe that there's some prostitutes on that road? I said, say lie. He said, they're there. I said, are you sure? They said, let's go and see them. <laughs> so we entered the car. We were driving. She said, ah, that's them, that's them, that's them. If you see how I face front, I would drive. She would say, slow down. Ah, you cannot see them anywhere like that. I said, As, my heart was beating. As if I have committed the abominable, the unpardonable sin. Ah, I'm going to go and see positive. Hey, my life. I did not call them, just that I want to drive and see them. I could not see them. I would drive. She says, slow down. We went around that Adetokumbo, Adetokumbo, like four times. She said, okay. So I, I, I was able to muster courage and slow down. She just wanted us to say, wait now, let's even see. Let's, you have to wait, wait. So we come down. She was saying, I first one like this. She now called and said, hey, how are you doing? She came close. She saw this lady. She said, what's up? She said, my, bro- uh, my brother wants one for a night. Um, how much is this for a night? She wanted to peep. To look at my face. If you see how I zoomed off. <laughs> if you see how I... Eh! My heart was beating. <laughs> now, this thing that I had to force myself to do, someone else is praying hard that God will deliver them from it. Can you see what I'm saying? Are you following my point? Next two months, I'll be talking about overcoming temptations and addictions. The whole month of May or April is dedicated to us overcoming temptations and addictions. So I'll be talking about sexual addictions, food addiction, all kinds of... I'll tell you the core of temptation, how you can overcome temptation by wisdom. I'm, this month, this, I'm going to take out the first part of this year to ensure that your roots are deeply rooted. Hmm. So nobody knows, and nobody will believe that I can feel what they are feeling because I didn't look like it. My friend said, ah, this person, I said, but why didn't you tell me? Say, ah, so, 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 so. I said, but why didn't you tell me? They said, you can't understand. You are too pure. My emphasis was so much that no one who needed help around me could find it because they wouldn't tell me. But I changed. I remember the month I started teaching on the love of God. And now that God will love you in spite of you. How that God loves you despite you. How that God loves you more than you can ever think. I started teaching in law school in those days. It was a did young set. 
And I taught on the prodigal son. And it was in that, those times I gave that popular saying that the, pro, the prodigament of the son did not unson him. That he was called the prodigal son. That he was not a bastard. That the fact that he was prodigal did not change the core of his identity. That his son is a son forever. I started teaching that the lost sheep is not a goat. That the lost sheep is a lost sheep. It's a sheep that's lost. So I started teaching, I started teaching, and I saw people began to come to me, people who needed help. Pastor Philip, please, I'm going through this. I'm telling close people. The one that touched me most, that made me, it broke me down completely, was my protocol officer. I mean, this guy is my closest, one of my closest protocol officers. We had not started church then, but he was, he was always with me when I wanted to go and minister. He traveled all the way to Lagos with me, was everywhere with me. So one day I taught, like one Monday night, on the love of God. And the true nature of the Father. I thought so deeply on the nature of God that when I was done, he said, Pastor Philip, I need to see you now. This now. I said, okay, I thought maybe they wanted to get something. He said, Pastor Philip, I'm gay. I'm gay. You know, it took all the courage in me to hold back my surprise. You know, if you say, ah, I've been having sex with my girlfriend, I'll still say, okay, okay, okay. But he says, I'm gay. My protocol officer. You are helping me catch people that fall under the anointing with these gay hands? I had to, I had to control myself. I said he has been sleeping with a married man in this city for about two years. The man is married with two kids and they meet in an hotel here in, in town. He's a, he's a top officer in one of those government pastor house. I said, for how long? He says, for over two years. And this guy has been with me for over how many, how many years? He did not tell me. He did not see... He, he could not tell me. But he says, look, Pastor, you are the only one I'm telling. He said, the message you preached today touched me. I said, Philip, you have to change your message. This thing you are preaching can work. Because it's not helping anybody. Paul says, I became weak that I might be through my weakness. Help the weak. He didn't say I became strong or I intimidated the weak with my strength. He said, I became weak that I may save the weak. I understood what he was saying. That the love of God is what brings men to Christ. Not the fear of hell. My emphasis came on the love of God. I started preaching on it. I started preaching on it. It revolutionized my life totally. Every time you put a focus on yourself, the way you are, the way I was, I saw who I was, that in spite of how righteous I was, I was not that holy. I was not that pure. I was full of arrogance. Spiritual arrogance. I was an hypocrite. I was putting myself forward to be what I was not. I was trying to be perfect. And the people that feel like they're perfect. I had a friend in school, on, on, on my, from my office, who, her name is Grace. She's so perfect. I mean, she's so perfect. She's so perfect that she doesn't have a boyfriend. And when I ask her, she says she has not seen any man that, that deserves this. I mean, she's, she's impeccable. She's so perfect. I mean, I'm serious. As in I said, okay, well, I said, do, have you, do you know anybody, living or dead, <laughs> married or single, that you could have married? She said, nobody. She searched around the world. She couldn't find any man. I said, what about your pastor? She said, not my pastor. Nobody. He said, if only God can give her an opportunity for her to create her own man. I'm telling you the fact. I'm not lying. Somebody wrote her a letter, a love letter. 
And she broke over. She was very angry. That what kind of rubbish is this? I said, what happened? He said, the guy used a small letter I. That he wrote, how can you write me some rubbish? That why did he use a small letter I? Because it, I think there was a capital. Maybe he wanted to use a capital letter, I love you, something or something. Now use small letter and the other one capital. See, what kind of grammatical rubbish is this? I said, so you missed the whole message. And if I said, he said, yes. I said, what if you guys just saying that I come humbly as a small letter? I just, I just come as a humble high. He said, no. She won't take that. When we're in the office, I'm going to talk about the bad things we've done before me. I've jumped fence before me. I stole me to my mommy's port, blah, 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 blah. You know, she doesn't say anything. So what you, you, don't have, you don't have any bad records. Say no. Say, it's not possible. I've not committed abortion before. You have not. Say, abortion? She's never done. Say, ah, so you have never done anything. By I mean, people say, okay, yeah, yeah. She has that one. Say, yeah, they, he stole her mommy's uh, money. Went to buy something. She said, no. I said, okay, 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 okay. She can remember one that she did. She remember one when she was young. I said, what was that? She said, she asked for more. He said, they serve her food and then she asked for more. I said, so what now happened? He said, that's it. That's, she, was, she, was, she was covetous. She was greedy. I said, that's who we are. That's how we are. We are always asking for more every day. You have not sinned. So I said, Jesus Christ is your Lord, but he's not your Savior. No, he's your friend. No, because our friend, he didn't save from any sin. But the truth is that the best of us will never measure up. The best of us will never measure up. If you look at the story of Peter, Luke chapter 5, verse 8, and John chapter 21, verse 7. Two scenarios. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. We must put Jesus in the center. Luke chapter 5, verse 8, John chapter 21, verse 7. We see the same Peter, two expressions. I don't know why it's, why, why it's like that, but the first time he had an encounter with Jesus... And he caught fishes. The Bible says, he, he said, depart from me, from a man of sin. You see that? So he was condemned immediately. But three and a half years afterwards, he was back into fishing. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The Bible says, he came out of the shore. He says, children, do you have any meat? They said, no. He said, put your net to the other side. And they threw their net and caught fishes. And John says, it is the master. You know what Peter did? The Bible says, he took his clothes covered and jumped into the water. And started swimming. To he couldn't even wait for the boats to bring them. Same Peter two expressions. Why? He had known the love of the Father. The first time, he pulled out. He says, don't come near me. I'm a sinner. Don't come near me. The second scenario, he drove fast to the Father. That's what the love of God does. Takes the eyes off your own sin. Takes the eyes off you. You have acknowledged his love. The love of the Father is unimaginable. It's so deep. So deep that Peter began, Paul began to teach that we must pray that God will show us the depth, the width, the height of his love. In Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, let's have that. Ephesians chapter 3, he said that we should pray that God will show us the depths of his love. The height of his love is stronger than we can ever imagine. Ephesians chapter 3, if you look at verse... 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width, what is the length, the depths, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You see that? It talks about the width of his love, the depth of his love, the length of his love, the height. It says you should pray that God will let you see it. So if it's something that's so casual, you will not know it. It's strong. 
is heavy. That's the crux of Christianity. That's the core of our work with God, understanding his love. The moment I knew his love, the self-condemnation I used to have left me. Now, I'm not saying that I should go about and go and continue sinning, but I know that my sin does not change who I am. Even when I was worst sinner, Christ loved me. He doesn't love me more because I read the Bible. He doesn't love me more because I pray. He doesn't love me more because I do anything. Before I began doing all those things, he had loved me. Before I read the first page of my Bible, he had loved me. He loved me before I was born again. Are you following me? So there is nothing I'm going to do to make him love me more. When I understood this, it changed my life. My walk with him changed. My thoughts about him changed. When I walk out around, I don't say, ah, maybe, why did my prayer not get answered? Maybe because I don't think like that anymore. Because I know he loved me in spite of me. Jesus must become the center. He must be the reason. And the reason why we're facing this particularly in Africa is because Christianity was taught with the core of African leadership. The core of African leadership or parenting is authoritarian. How many of you have African, you all you have African parents? <laughs> all have African parents. All of us. How many of you have the real African parents? Your parents was African. You know some of us are African, our parents are not, they are very civilized. You just say, daddy, stop that shit. <laughs> stop that shit. <laughs> if you think it's, don't say it too. Let them, let them just, your mom, there are people whose parents, their mommy beat them before they say, I know you are going to do something wrong. And I'll beat you in advance. I mean, Bridget was telling me about how her dad was doing that. I was like, how do you dad? There are mothers that bite their children. You know, they're, they're, what are African parents? Don't dare. In our house, you don't stay, you don't stay in the parlor when, when your parents are talking. What are, you know that scripture that will guide you with my eye? You know that scripture? We were talking about African parents. You know that scripture? Say, I will guide you with my eye. You know, you know when, you, when you go abroad, you see parents, you say, hey, Jill, hey, Bill, leave. We, we respect some visitors. Would you please leave the sitting room? He said, no, no, say, go, go, go play with your games. He said, no, mommy, I say, go, 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 okay, go, take some chocolates. All those ones, you know, it's, it's when you both parents. Your mother was just like this. <laughs> just like this. <laughs> you understand? If you wait for an explanation, it will be with slap. So when that scripture says, I will guide you with my eye, it was the African parent he was talking about. You understand the eyes. When they give you food in the, in the neighbor's house, say, take, you say, no, we are not hungry. Take now. Nah. <laughs> take now. Nah. Take now. Nah. Say, mommy, I'm not hungry. You know. Take now. Nah. Take it first. <laughs> so we have authoritarian parents, and there are four kinds of parenting. Authoritarian, you have indulgent you have non-involved, and then you have authoritative parenting. Authoritarian, indulgent, non-involved, or uninvolved, and then you have authoritative parenting. The authoritarian parent is high on rules and low on relationship. Everything is rules, 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 rules. Authoritarian leader, high on rules, Vwadi, low on relationship. High on rules, zero relationship. They said they kill young people. He said, but we are giving you trader money. Market money. Say, so what is? Farm more money. They keep people in lucky, he says, trade that money. That's our business. 
Law on relationship, eye on rules. So parents are just giving rules, 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 rules relationship. That's authoritarian. Indulgent parents are parents that have law on rules and eye on relationship. No rules. You can do anything. Everything you want. The baby, baby slap. I, I went to church. The, the boy slapped another girl in children's church. And the mother said, hey, don't worry. Hey, that's how he is. That's how he is. Said, you don't have rod. So I can correct this boy once and for all. So those kind of boys who grew up to become abusive husbands. Parents are very low on rules. Very, you see them in supermarkets. Selfish parents. Selfish parents. You are in a supermarket and your daughter or your son is throwing tantrums. And you don't want people to think you are terrible parents. So you allow him to continue. Say, mommy, I want that. You just smack him. So you, you know, there was a particular day, my daughter, Tino, she learned that very fast. That there is no time I cannot discipline you. So I think we're out somewhere. And then she started throwing tantrums because she thought people were there. And I wouldn't be able to do anything. I smacked her high. I said, is it your daughter? <laughs> Tell me! Nah! She sat up. Since that time, she never tried it again. So parents are high on relationship and low on rules. Indulgent parents. Their, their children become very, very ill-mannered, terrible, unbehaved. Terrible behaved. You know what I'm talking about, children. So then you have the thought, which is uninvolved, low on relationship and low on rules. Anything you like, do with your life. They have no rules, no relationship. Then you have the last is authoritative, which is high on relationship and high on rules. Now, the authoritarian will dwell and survive on fear. And that's the kind of God that was given to us. It's an authoritarian God. A God that does not even care about how you feel. He survives on fear. Fear the Lord. Our parents survive on fear. If you're not afraid of them, they're afraid. Because they, they try to ensure that you are, the fear is still there. They test run it. Somebody see better, You know, they need you to be afraid. So when you when they want to slap you and you grab your hand, they say, "Hey, hey Mokbe, you want to beat me?" Or you try to dodge it, hey, because they need you to be afraid. My father will often test to know whether I was still afraid of him. It's important. So we, we that's the kind of God that was introduced to us. And you see, when we have a compelled obedience because of fear, rebellion becomes imminent. A time will come, people become rebellious. Because you cannot keep people under fear forever. Why are people rebelling against God today? Why are they saying, no, we're not paying our tithes? No, 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 no. Why are they rebelling against pastors? Because over the years, we have suppressed them under fear. Are you following me? So now they are rebelling against it. People don't want to do anything for church anymore. They let God do his worst. Because they have seen him. And the reason why God has not done his worst, even you are angry that God has not done his worst. Ah, let God even destroy all of them. So at least they will be afraid of him. You are wondering, where is God? Is it the glory of God? <laughs> you are wondering, why is God not killing all these people? God doesn't do that. doesn't do that. If you compel people to be afraid and you suppress them, a time will come, I put it, I say, but when obedience is driven by fear, rebellion will become imminent. People will rebel. Why do they rebel in church today? I've, I've met a lot of young people. I'm interacting with a lot of young people today because young people have left the church. They are hungry. And they say, let anything happen, let it happen. Why? Because over the years, their parents suppressed them. Fear, 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 fear. And God doesn't want us to relate with him by fear. He said to Peter, Peter, lovest me thou more than this? He said, yes. He said, feed my lamp. So your service should be driven from love, not out of fear. 
Why do I serve the Lord? I, 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 I love him. Of course, I fear him, which is reverential fear, but not fear of, you know, not that terrible, wicked, devilish kind of fear that God will destroy you. What they teach is that God is sitting down in heaven like this with a mighty rod. And it's going to cut off everyone's head. You know, that's, that's the kind of, I'm not even know what I'm talking about. That's the kind of picture of law of God that we had. And it's too, too incorrect, absolutely incorrect. God is not like that. The month you did not pay your tithe, I'm not even know you did not die. I'm not you have not paid, you have months you missed your tithe. Let me say sincerely, nobody, I'm not going to call it. Those months that you missed your tithe, did the devourer devour you? Eh? You say, say, say no. So, if you devour not devour first, I say, ah, devour devour next month. Before you know it, you stop paying your fight. Because all the while you were paying it out of fear, not out of love for God. But love lasts forever. If you are doing it out of love, you don't need to be forced to do it. And that's how God wants to relate with you. He doesn't want to relate with Him out of fear. The days you didn't read your Bible, that's that, 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 that day that you didn't read your Bible, you were afraid, ah, maybe today I will have an accident. You went, you didn't have an accident. So you see that it is not reading your Bible or not reading your Bible that, that saves you from us. God loves you whether or not you read your Bible. God loves you whether or not you pay your fight or pay your offering. If you don't pay your offering, you are dumb. But God loves you dumb, you see. He loves you whether or not you are dumb. He loves you. He loves you the way you are. He loves you the way you are. Now going on from Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite. I'm going to end with this story. Luke chapter 15. Story of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal son is one of my favorite stories in the scriptures that illustrates the love of the father. It is annoyingly painful for the other brother to see how the father loves the son. And some of us don't want God to love like that. Religion doesn't teach us like that. Religion doesn't teach us anything. Religion doesn't teach us. I wish there were no religion. Religion has almost done worse for us than sin did. Because sin will take you away from God before you are saved. Religion will stop you from working with God even after you got saved. Religion is a terrible thing. I don't like religion. So ask me, what's religion? Religion is not things you do that I don't know the meaning. Why do you break your fast? 12, 3, 6. Why? 12, 3. Yeah. Who wants to tell me why? Eh? You think that God, God is very powerful? 12? Very powerful around three and very strong around six. Tell me why don't you break your fast by four? Why don't you break your fast by four? Why? Sincerely, why? Have you thought about it? See, you are fasting today, so you, you target 12, you target three, you target six. Why do you break your fast by six? Why don't you break your fast by five? You think that it will not be acceptable? Why do you fast in the morning? What's your fast? Why do you fast in the morning and not fast at night? You think God hates breakfast? <laughs> if God says skip your dinner, that's a fast. You know you can fast dinner? Because your dinner time is some nation's breakfast time. Do you know that? You, see, you, have, owed, you have held all these things so strongly and they have no meaning. People say that God is, that any prayer you pray between 12 noon, 12, 12 midnight and 3 a.m. Hey! Very powerful. Very, very powerful. And they will tell you seven reasons why you must pray between 12 and 3. I ask, what do you mean? 
your 12 midnight is from other countries 6 a.m. So is God more powerful in Nigeria while he's weak in the U.S.? That's religion. Rubbish, jagbajantis. And we'll be, we say, who? And we'll, fight. we'll be making it look as if it's a very, very deep 12 to 3 ah, power. It's the intensity of the spirituality. Rubbish. Religion. If I start opening several, several. People have told me before that when you're choosing a life partner, that there's somebody that God has appointed for you from heaven as your life partner. I said, what of the children that have miscarriage? People that are supposed to marry them, who would they not marry? Or the children that their parents aborted. They are spouse from heaven. You see, my own spouse from heaven, they will not come and marry. There will be a problem. Eh? The Reverend Father. You see, that doesn't make sense. If you take your time, God did not give you Holy Spirit to collect your brain. If you sit down very well and think, you say some of these things are useless beliefs that have no ground. Scriptures. It sounds very spiritual. Very spiritual. But it's not scriptural. There are several. If I start painting, if I start picking, I'll pick, I'll pick, but it will take me off our message. But there are several things we have held very dear like that. That pure religion have no place in scriptures. But we have been following it, and it's paining you that it's not true. It's not paining you because you have believed it for so many years. You cannot agree. Ah, so I said, no, I'd rather die like this. Because <laughs> 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 ah, I can help. Ah, because I was more. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 40, that is a lie. I will not start my life. Uh, no, no, no. Let me just believe it like that. No matter the year that it meets, you just accept the word of God. You have believed the lie. There is no hour of the day that is more powerful than the other hour. There is no hour of the day. 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I tell my friends, pray when it's convenient for you. Don't pray when you'll be sleeping. God, God is more pleased by a prayer you pray by 12 noon wide awake than the one you are drowsing 1 a.m. Because you want to pray in the midnight. See, my pastor said there's a spiritual intensity around midnight. One day, I was, you know, over time, I used to pray, try to pray in the midnight. I prayed in the midnight, but there was time in my life I used to struggle to pray in the midnight, and I would sleep off. When I would just sleep off. And when I wake up, I say, hey, Jesus, Father, Lord, I'm sorry. How many things happened to you? You need now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please, ah, forgive me, Lord. I slept in prayer. Wake me, Lord, I'm asleep. I've been doing that thing for long. I believe God was just looking at me like this. So one day, I said, Philip, I said yes. Lord. He said, in whose hands would you rather fall asleep other than my hands? In whose hands? He said, when did you beat any of your daughter? When you carried her and she fell asleep in your hands and you were angry. Said, Why did this baby fall asleep in my hands? <laughs> we are talking. When did you have that happen? I said, never. He said, what makes you think sleeping would hurt me? Well, you can wake up tomorrow morning and we continue from where we stopped. You are sleepy, you are sleepy, period. You are sleepy, you are sleepy, period. Say, ah, Jesus, this is Satan. Satan wants me to be sleeping. This is Satan. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. God is not impressed by all these things. You are suffering yourself. Suffering yourself. You know we like suffering. Some people don't even think that if you don't suffer, they don't think it's God. Like, do I'm pastoring now? If I'm not suffering, they don't think that 
I'm, he's, not, he's not a real pastor. The way I'm enjoying my life now. They think I'm not, they think I'm not working in faith. And there's no way in the Bible that the Bible says you must suffer. There's no place. Do you know there's no place? One day I said, Lord, help me to suffer early. Help me to suffer early. God said, why? I said, because I must suffer early. God said, who told you you were going to suffer? I said, if I suffer now, I will not suffer tomorrow. Help me to suffer. Let my suffering come closely. Let my suffering come today. I said, why are you looking for suffering? Show me the Bible. The Solomon suffer. As I'm enjoying my pastor, and as I'm putting that I'm not a real pastor. That, ah, see him, see his suit, see his car, see his house. Is that pastor? You're supposed to suffer. I have to know that you're a And carry the sheep on his shoulder. Say, so you get that is going to take you back home. You don't even have to walk. That's the father. So the boy goes, gets lost, goes out. Look at Luke 15. Let's catch it together. From verse 17, it says, When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants? Have bread enough to eat and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How I many of you feel like that? I'm no longer worthy. That's a very popular statement. I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy. I told God, I said, Lord, I'm no longer worthy to be used. I said, please don't change your mind about using me. God said, why? He said, because of this wrong thing I did. And God said, son, you hadn't done anything right when I chose to use you. You have not done anything right. And there's nothing you can do that will make me change my mind about you. Religion does not teach you that. It just says, no, the moment God has changed, your destiny has been replaced. I found another man. Go and perish. You know, that's religion. Amen. They taught you this in your church. <laughs> he said, I would arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I'm no longer, I've sinned against you, I'm no longer be able to make me one of your hard servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him 
neck, dung. That guy was coming from taking care of pigs. I'm sure he's dirty. I'm sure he's looking, you know, he has a foul smell, dung smell. And the son said, Father, now, so put, if you have your Bible in your hands, if you have a real Bible, not a phone Bible, if you have a real Bible, you look at it. He says, Father, you see, because he had re asked, when I get home, I will say this, I will say that, I will say that was all the plan. I'm going to tell my father this. I'm going to tell my, because in his mind, he said, You are not worthy, you are not worthy. Just go home and say, Father, Father. So he had, he had a plan. So when the father hugged him and was kissing him, I said, Hey, my son, all his mind was not, it was just, he had, his guys, he had, he had a speech. He had to make it. So he, he wanted to say exactly what he wanted. If you look at verse 18, if you put your hands in verse, if you have your Bible here, if you put your hands in verse 18 and you put your hands in verse 21 and you follow it, it says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Exactly like he said he was going to say it. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe. You see, because he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He was going to go straight to make me one of your servants. The father says, no. I don't need more servants. I'm looking for my son. Do you get that? The servants here are angels. If you need the angels, he will create them. But sons have to be given birth to. You follow me? She says, no. So at that point, he says, no. No. She says, make me. One of your servants said, no. I'm looking for my son. He said, bring the finest robe. And they brought the finest robe. Finest robe. This guy's not even taking his bath. But that's the cloth of righteousness. The Bible says we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God in Christ. We are clothed. It's not by our righteousness. It's not because we are clean. Are you following me? It's not because we are good. When we came back home, he embraced them. Religion will never embrace when you come back home. They have to sit at the back. Sit at the back. You foul devil. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about. You sit at the back. Ilebo, where you come from? Give him the finest robe. Put shoes on his feet. I'm surprised. I taught on grace on this, and I can teach, I can teach on this story for long. Because there's a lot locked up in that story. But for me tonight, I'm looking at the fact that this boy was not even asked. He was not asked to go take his bath first. There was a guy who came to me when I was on campus. He came to my room and said, "Is this Pastor Phillips?" They said, "Yes." He came. He said, "Pastor, you have seen me before. I don't know him, but you have seen me before." And he used to be an homosexual, homosexual guy. And yet come. And God loves homosexuals. He doesn't love homosexuality. You get the point? God loves the whole world. Homosexuals need help. They need deliverance. They don't need counseling. You don't counsel demons. You don't counsel demons. All those people are winding their waists. Serious demonic activities. Serious, intense demonic activity going on. A man, full-blown man, wind his waist and be twerking, and be and be doing like that. And you don't know that this is this is demonic activity. You not sit and say, okay, how do you feel? And let's see how we can help you. Psychotherapy may not be able to help really. These are demons. Imagine someone that is having sex with chicken, having sex with chicken. So that means he enters a poultry. Say, ooh, my God, such a beaut. <laughs> eh? He's seen chicken like this now. And you know what's going through his mind? Wow, if you should grab this one. Now, you want to sit that person down and cancel them? Cancel them for what? 
intense demonic activity going on. Hmm? Whatever they are called, Bob, what's, uh, what's the name of that other one that they didn't cut? Uh, or demons. Demons. If they come and I lay on, so you see, they'll be free. If I lay hands on him once, he'll be very free. You see, say, ah, what happened to me? Where I am? Everything is gone. Say, the demon is gone. The demon is gone. It's gone out of you. Once. Only one lay hands. They don't, I won't say that. Serious, intense act. I've seen it happen. So he said, he had a dream. And in that dream, he was about to have sex with another man. And I appeared in the dream. I said, stop that. Where are your Follow me now. And I know it's what I can do. <laughs> so when he said I did, I said, yes, that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I said, lay down here. Lay hands on him. You are free now. In the name of Jesus, every unusual, strange affection for the wrong things of your life in the name of Jesus. And when it was done, I quickly put him in front of the choir. Be singing for me. So I said, I probably leave. I said, no. When the prodigal son came back home, the master gave him the finest robe. He said, stand in front. Today, we are still so close. Never went back to it. He's free forever. Amen. So he came back home. He says, give him the finest robe. That's the father. That's the father. That's the father. He doesn't say no. He doesn't kick you out. If you come home today, it will be as though you never left. He will treat you so beautifully as though you never left. That's the father. That is why Satan does not want you to come back home. Say, if you go home, they are going to beat you. You know their parents are that. If you come home, ah, la kuli, they will beat. It would have been better for you to have stayed where you are. He says, come back home. Come back home. Come back home. The father embraced him. Kill the fatted calf. The fatted calf. The big one. Go and bring it. Kill it now. Let's eat. The brother is back home. The Bible says the elder brother came back. Look at it. The elder brother came back. Chapter 15. Verse 25. And now his older son was in the field, and as he came near he, and drew near in the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, What does these things mean? And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He did what? Now, this brother has been taking care of this calf, feeding it, feeding it, thinking that you can feed that calf. To the point that the father will be very impressed. A calf that the father will carelessly kill when the brother returned. He would have impressed the father better by going out to look for his brother. Not staying back home and taking care of the calf. Impressing the father, thinking that those things that he's doing, home keeping, home keeping. The father is not interested with what you are doing at all. I'm looking for my son. You are taking care of goats. The father killed the calf very fast. And he has been, he has been feeding the calf. See what he said. He, said he, refused to, he, didn't, he didn't agree to go inside. So I'm not going inside. He didn't like that boy. He hated the boy. There are elder brothers like that in church that hate people. They are not happy that God saved them. They're in the church. When they see how God saved people, they say, no, this is very bad. Why did God save them? He should have destroyed them. That's how the elder brother thinks. Look at what he said. When the father came out, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Father was begging him. Ha, don't 
Don't be angry. So he answered and said, Lord, this many years I have been serving you. I have, trans I have never transgressed any of your commandments. So you see now, he wasn't serving because he loved the Father. Can you see what I'm saying about serving out of fear? I've never offended you before. At any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may, I may enjoy with my friends. Only one small goat you have not given to me. But as soon as this son of yours, see what he said. He didn't even call him my brother. Verse 30. He said, as soon as that your boy came. That's your boy. He didn't even say my brother. He didn't like that boy one bit. When I'm talking about working in love towards others, I'll deal with this issue. About people that hate other people. They are both the children of God and they hate the other brother. It's as soon as that your boy came. Who has devoured your livelihood with what? Excuse me. Who mentioned harlots in this story? Because I went back to see whether the Bible said the boy was with harlots. The Bible says he spent it on riotous living. This brother, how did he know of harlots? Are there people thinking about harlots and think they don't have opportunity to be with harlots? They think Christianity is a disadvantage. They wish they were not Christians. Are you following my point? Because out of the abundance of your heart, who has been thinking of harlots? Who has been wishing he's able to be with harlots? Because we did not mention harlots. There are people in the church who wish they could be drinking. They, only, they just wish, hey, only, only, only if I, I can be drinking. But they are hating those who are drinking and they wish they were there. It's a, it's a terrible mental, mental, mental situation. They are watching people who are doing a, what's that challenge they are doing? It's paining them that they cannot do it because their pastor may find out. But yet, they know everything. They know everyone that has done. They know everybody that, they have watched all the video. They say, hey, we saw your daughter. How do you see my daughter? <laughs> how do you know? Say, we saw your daughter in a porn movie. Hey, how do you know? <laughs> That's the other brother. Peeping around. He never had his heart there. He was so envious. If you look at the first very well, the Bible says when he was dividing his properties, he divided it to the children, both of them. But envy will close your eyes to your own things. That's what happened to him. Yeah, from beginning, the father giving him, God said, everything I have belongs to you. Everything from beginning, everything belongs to you. But envy and jealousy will shut your eyes of the things that have been given to you. Because your eyes are always on the other person. But the father loved the son. He says, look, your son, my, my son was dead. The father kept saying, your brother, your brother. You have to keep emphasizing, your brother that was dead is not alive. Your brother, you have to understand that this is my brother. That's what the father thinks. No matter how far you've gone, you come back home today, will embrace you. He will embrace you. So I knew that from God. Satan will tell me that God won't talk to me. How many of you have felt that when you commit sin, God doesn't talk to you anymore? Eh? Let me see your hands, sincerely. I felt like that, that God doesn't talk to you anymore. When you're falling sin, when you're, when you're falling to sin, you think that everything has, just that everything will be dry. Satan played that prank against me for many years. I will cry, 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 cry. I will weep, weep, weep. I will say, Father. You know, it's for months. All the while, it was my mind. So now I'm smarter. No matter how I feel, I will read the Bible. I say, God cannot keep malice with me. He has already written to me. There's nothing you want to say that he has not spoken. There's nothing you want to say that he has not written down. 
So if I read him long enough, I will start hearing him again. So when you do things like that, Satan just toys with your mind and makes you lose touch with God. The prodigal son came back home and is still a son. Bible says the son abides in the house forever. So you have to understand this fundamentally that the love of God for you doesn't change. Not because you do anything right. Does that mean you go about doing something wrong? I'll talk, I'll teach about the responsibility of the son later, not now. But tonight you must know that God loves you unconditionally. But Philip, this kind of teaching, this kind of preaching, just make people committing sin. They'll be committing sin and confessing, committing sin and confessing, committing sin and confessing. I said, that's better than committing sin and not confessing, committing sin and not confessing. <laughs> you know, I don't care. God loves me. He loves me. So when I miss it, I come back home. That's what happened to Peter. He says, he's the master. He remembered that he had denied the master. Do you know he had denied the master? But he didn't say, ah, no. Hey, John, I beg you. Let me enter this side. I will swim straight to Galilee. <laughs> you, you take that side. He ran to the master. Did you know that the master did not talk about it? Did you notice? That he never reminded him, say, Peter, you denied me. Did you know he never said that? Did you know he never said that? Did you know Jesus Christ never mentioned it anymore? Because it was past. You are the one reminding Jesus of your sin. He said, your iniquities I will remember. You are the one reminding him. He doesn't know what you're talking about. He committed sin. But Jesus embraced him. Come back home today. When you find out the love of God, it will strengthen your work with him. If it was a Nigerian prophet, he would have said, Peter, do you know on that day, I told you, you are going to deny me? Please come out. Do I know you before say no? Did you tell me that before? Did you tell me your number? <laughs> Did I ask you? Did I ask you? He <laughs> said, at social time on Friday, what were you doing? Tell this congregation. Say, I deny you. <laughs> Jesus does not make a point out of your weakness. He doesn't make a point out of your weakness. He's not looking out for your weakness. He's not trying to prove a point out of your weakness. He's stretching forth his hands to help you. If you stretch forth your hands to him today, he will take you up. And to be as though you never sin. Rise on your feet and just worship him tonight. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church. You can